recorded live in front of a feline audience, coming to you from coast to coast. It's the Fangirl Film Club. The Fangirl Film Club is a podcast created by adults and featuring adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, and welcome to the Fangirl Film Club, the movie podcast where we go deep down the resume of all your fangirl faves. And let me tell you, we've seen some shit. Some serious shit. Hi, everybody. I'm Emily. (laughs) And I'm Mia. And welcome to episode five of the Fangirl Film Club. We have such a treat for you today. What what an episode it is. such a treat uh it was a treat for me this was mia's choice but we as we just said she she picked it for me i love this movie so much i know last time i was you asked what we were doing next because we hadn't hadn't decided wasn't ready Mm -mm. um (laughs) so on the spot i'm scrolling through our list i'm like what do we want to inflict pain do we want to celebrate absurdity? Do we want to mm-hmm. try to stay relevant and hip with the kids? And never, <laughs> never that last one. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> no. Oh, but as a treat, despite that I deserved punishment mm. for making her watch makeup last week, <laughs> I was fully ready to be punished for my choice. <laughs> She did there's not punish. Watching she, and there's sitting through. <laughs> it's true. I feel like makeup yes. happened to us. We yes, we like survived it <laughs> barely. Yes, it was so boring. And by survived, yes. I mean stayed awake throughout the whole thing. Yes, but and it this yeah. week. <laughs> this week we've got. We have quite an adventure for you. It is. It is a self-contained space opera. Those words don't even make sense together, but it is what it is. It is a space opera adventure um, called... Self-contained yeah, would you like to introduce is the film? a very gentle term for Listen, it. Listen. This, this film, as, as busting out of its Contained corset. as it could be. <laughs> yes. As contained as it could be. Let's say that. Bursting that we did the not proverbial scenes. We did not get a trilogy. We did not get a sub, like a side comic book run or a novel or anything like that that could have possibly, I don't know, taken some of the some of the burden <laughs> off of the storytelling of this monstrous, wonderful film. Um, Mia, what did you what did you let us watch? What did we get With to watch this week? Your the title Jupiter Ascending. Oh, so much movie, guys. There's so much movie movie in this movie. Into this movie. We have a tendency. And it's not like that have plenty of movie. I I know. But it's not like detention where detention had five different movies in it. This was one movie that was just so much movie. Um Written and directed by the Wachowski sisters, uh, Lana and Lily. Yes. In 2000, correct me if I'm wrong, this was, this was 2015 this came out? It came out 2015, was written in 2013, and took forever to make because. I can't imagine why. Because of (laughs) what resulted. 
<laughs> I can't imagine why they spent two entire years making this movie. Um, also, yeah, so so 2013, they started writing this movie. 2015 is when it came out. Um, I assume 2012-ish is when the pitch was made. Uh, <laughs> Mia, would you like to take a guess as to what, what the elevator pitch might have been? Emily, New York's <laughs> hottest new club is Jupiter Ascending, and this club has everything. Wolfkin, <laughs> Owlkin, Elephantkin, bees, as well as a dazzling $500 billion CGI budget, space bureaucracy, severe mommy issues, and poorly disguised neuralizers from Men in Black. Yeah. You have, you have completely encapsulated the soul of this breathtaking film. Thank you. I was Here's all the, the money that I took really <laughs> for this movie. We're like, what are the different kind of kin that we see? Can I possibly fit all of them into the pitch? No. The answer is no. no. It's not just wolfkin, owlkin, Elephantkin Mm-mm. and bees. <laughs> there are also lizard a- ratkin. <laughs> oh man, there are so many different kinds of dudes in this movie. Um, <clears throat> so many dudes. Um, all right, so that you may, gentle listeners, you may be at home thinking, "What the fuck." Did she just say this movie was about, and why, why did she sound like someone was standing on her chest? Well, (laughs) because she was doing an absolutely breathtakingly accurate portrayal. (laughs) Breathtaking. Of Eddie Redmayne. (laughs) Of Eddie Redmayne in this film. One of the stars. This this movie stars Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, Scene Bean and Eddie Redmayne in the performance of a lifetime, frankly. The he fact that he won, won his Oscar, Oscar for undeserved. This is the movie he deserved the Oscar for. say <laughs> the fact that he also performed, he was he was also in theory of everything in the same year as he did yes. this movie. <laughs> And they gave him the Oscar for that <laughs> instead of <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. I mean, fine, whatever. To Oscars but... for subdued performances. Anything is subdued compared to his performance in this. You're not supposed. They don't give Oscars for subtlety. What? Jesus. No. Subtlety, nuance. No. Fuck you. This was 1930s talky kind of acting on his part and I oh my god. loved it oh god so good all right would you like, like to, to but would you like to hear the... <laughs> go ahead no, would I, you just, like to I would like to imagine that the character motivations when he asked the Wachowskis like what how how am I playing this role what do you want from me is you both want to be your mother and fuck your mother at the same time that is your entire no, motivation I, here. 
speaking speaking of the Wachowskis and their directing, I can't imagine, based on what I saw, I cannot imagine that for one second, either Lana or Lily went, hey, Eddie, that's a little too much. Can you back it off just a little bit? <laughs> Let's rein it in more. We need more. Let's rein it in a little bit. I don't think for a second that was ever a note that he was given for this movie. I don't, I can't imagine. I no. cannot imagine it because usually when you're directing, you want to tell your cast like, hey, go big and I'll pull you back in. If yes. it's too much, I'll tell you. I don't think they ever told him that. I don't think they were ever like, mm, little. <laughs> Could you possibly walk a finer line between screaming one line and whispering the next? Um <laughs> In the first thing I ever saw him, him in, of course, was Les Miserables, where he just kind of waddles, of a, course, like a little baby penguin through the whole movie. This he is an oversized swan. He is he becomes the black swan of Black Swan, featuring Mila Kunis. I I don't often agree with the slang that children use these days, but he really did put his whole pussy into this performance. I mean. <laughs> I don't think you could put any more pussy into this performance than Eddie Redmayne did. I love this for him. Yes. I love that this is on his resume. Who did you watch? Before I tell you what happened in this movie, who did you watch this movie for? Because on our list, it says Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis. It's really hard to decide because I think at that point mm -hmm. in my life, I was probably more like, I want to see Mila Kunis in this movie. Yeah. And today she looks great. You, like she <laughs> looks fantastic. She is radiant, a radiant force of the screen. Um she is. But Channing equally equally radiant and <laughs> I read a few reviews about both of their performances and how they're not uh-huh uh not I disagree when these said that they don't have very much range. Oh, I was going to um, say chemistry because I, I would agree that they don't have much chemistry, but that's besides. Oh, no, not at um, all. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that could be because of, so of Tatum's watch. horrible facial hair. I mean, <laughs> Mila may have been having a difficult time pretending to be attracted to him because he had that horrendous goatee. Um, Wolfkin. But that's... We'll, we'll get to that. We'll figure out why he looked so bad um, in a minute. Um, yeah, I I watched this movie for because it was a Wachowski project because I am married to someone who loves mm. all that the Wachowskis do and has uh, brought me over to that side because I have not, not enjoyed anything that they've ever created. So I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So we went to this movie and my fucking head was blown off. I was like, what <laughs> did you bring me to? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it's like they wanted to do a space. They wanted to do like a Star Wars, but they only had one movie. So they were like, yeah, fuck it. We'll just put all of that into this. Go see a Star War. And go from there. Go see a Star. It, it was a Star War. Really, it was. Here's Here's $10. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> so. So now you say that your husband whenever, dragged you into Wachowski movies. Did you also go see Speed Racer? No, you know what? No, I have not seen Speed Racer. Um, I know he has, but I have not seen Speed Racer <laughs> or their first big budget movie, Bound. 
Um, and that's not even really okay. a big budget. I've not seen that one. Um, but obviously all the matrices, this cloud Atlas, which is one of my favorite <laughs> movies that's ever been made. Yes. We can't do that one on this podcast though, because I'll end up having to describe it. And I can't, I can't tell anybody what that movie's about because I feel like nobody knows. <laughs> <clears throat> And it's beautiful. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Yes. Um, <laughs> although, to be fair, I didn't think I could tell anybody what this movie's about. And we're going to find out in a second if I can. <laughs> if I can. Because okay, I keep get getting timer. stuck with the, with the recaps. <laughs> I, I keep getting stuck with these recaps of the, the moviest <laughs> movies to ever movie. <laughs> I had to describe what detention was, too. (laughs) 90 different movies packed into one. Fuck you. Fuck you, detention. Oh, Oh, man. All right. Oh, detention. All right, I'm ready when you are. (laughs) All right. Now, this is not going to be a minute. Um, This is probably going to be more than that by a bit. But But there's a lot of important... There's a lot of important beats. I'm also going to be <laughs> glossing over a lot of stuff. There's a lot of important beats. Oh, so I'm yes. going to try and hit them all. All right. So <laughs> make sure we get the full picture before we start really picking it apart. Okay. Like carrion. <laughs> all right. Tell me when. I'll hit go when you begin. Okay. So to begin. Mila Kunis is an illegal Russian immigrant who finds out she's a space princess when a group of aliens try to kill her while she's trying to sell her eggs. She's saved by Magic Mike, who's half dog and all badass with rocket boots, and he takes her to see Boromir, who asks a bunch of bees if she's royalty, and they're like, yeah. Um, So Mila and Magic Mike go back to space, where she finds out that she's not just a princess, she's the reincarnated space queen of a family who owns a bunch of planets, and they make skin cream out of harvesting all the inhabitants of the planets they own. Um, The OG queen had three children, all of whom are fighting and whispering at each other to get control of Earth, which is now legally belongs back to Mila Kunis. So the oldest, queerest, best son is Newt Scamander, who only screams or whispers and wants to kill Mila Kunis so he can have all of the human skin cream and stay young and shirtless and insane forever. And then the youngest, horniest son tries to marry Mila Kunis to get control of the Earth. High incest, gross. But she's full of doubts. And then Magic Mike and Boromir show up and they stop the wedding at the last minute. And so she's fine. And she's like, fuck all this spaceship. I just want to go home. So... Oh, fuck. She gets home and Newt Scamander has stolen her whole ass family and is blackmailing her into giving him back the Earth title. And so she goes back to space to see him. And he's like, I'll let them all go. But give me the Earth. And she's like, "Uh, you want to harvest the Earth, though, right? To like make all your skin cream. And he's like, yeah, but whatever. I'm going to kill your family if you don't do it. And she's like, "Ooh, but if I keep the title, you can kill me and my family. But you don't get to harvest the Earth ever. So he throws the biggest bitch fit. As Magic Mike then jumps into his people refinery and starts fucking shit up with his space boots. Um, everything is falling apart. He's whisper screaming. Sorry, Newt's commander is whisper screaming at her and he's beating the fuck out of her. And she like fights back and she's like, stop calling me mommy, you fucking freak. And just before he's about to kill her, she's about to kill him. It's very confusing. The whole ass refinery for human beings collapses underneath them. Magic Mike saves Mila Kunis with the rocket boots. Again, very important plot point. Takes her back and her whole family saves all of them, takes her back to Earth, where she decides, despite being space queen and owner of the Earth, that she's going to keep 
cleaning toilets and having her status be a legal immigrant who all lives in one like two bedroom house with nine other people. Um, but it's fine. Her family buys her a telescope and she keeps dating Magic Mike, who has wings now. So he gave her his rocket boots and they fly around Chicago happily ever after. The end. Exactly two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> two and a half times what we usually do, but two and a half times. This movie could not be contained. Which given. <laughs> I was going to say, given that this movie contained about eight and a half times the normal amount of movie we see for these episodes, <laughs> I think that was pretty damn good. That was wonderful. Yes, this very well should have been a trilogy. <laughs> very well should have been one honest one movie for each sexy people skin cream sibling. I feel bad that the the daughter, the young, the middle child, of course, hi middle child always <laughs> shunted to the side um she didn't get much of a role because she was like also trying to control mila kunis with like right you know being like the bestie she's like oh no it's cool yeah. you know you're one of us now we're like sisters but you're also my mom it'll be fun and then she just didn't appear <laughs> once yeah. the Horny She's younger like, son I'll take came you on to the file scene. for your space taxes, and then that will be it. <laughs> yes. That was the best, the best interplanetary bureaucracy scene. It was so long. <laughs> they went so hard. <laughs> okay, so so there's this the scene that she's talking about, everybody. Uh Mila Kunis has to go to basically like City Hall to get control like her actual title and they could have done it in like yeah so she gets a little tattoo on her wrist that says like she owns the earth um but they drag that scene out they get they make they make them go to like 12 different desks or bureaucrats because it's, you know, it's, it's classic like, oh, you need this form, actually, not this one. This is yes. records and whatever. <laughs> you need references and whatever. Like, but they do it so, like, it's it's almost way too much. <laughs> like everything else in this movie. It's almost way too much. It's great. <laughs> but it's I like, okay, wow, really? I need to go back and watch it and, like, time, how much time, how many minutes of this movie, what fraction of Jupiter ascending is spent <laughs> doing space paperwork. Space paperwork. Also, um, I thought it was interesting. Her name is Jupiter Jones, um, which is a, I think is a cute name. Um, her yeah, her name yeah. is Jupiter Jones. Uh, Edwin Jarvis is her dad. Unfortunately, who, who dies tragically I... before she is born. <laughs> when it came like, the opening sequence. Like it's Jarvis. Mm-hmm. That's that's James Aww. Darcy. Yeah, that's Jarvis. It's James that's Darcy. Jarvis. We love we, we love James Darcy. Yeah, I wish he'd we been wish in this movie more than a conclusion. <laughs> more than three seconds. Um, yeah, he was only in it for the first minute and a half. But uh, proving the point once again that if you want your spouse <laughs> to name your unborn child what you want, the most assured way to do that is to die before the baby is born because that's. Yes. Always what happens if you see anybody picking it in a movie, if somebody's pregnant and one of them is picking out a name and arguing like ardently, this is what this kid's going to be named. Uh, 
nine times out of ten, they will die prior to the birth. Yes. Or in birth. <laughs> and uh, then that's that kid's name. That's, mm-hmm. that's how it works. It's how we tell stories. That's what we've all agreed upon. So her name is Jupiter because her dad was a an astronomer. I love that her dad was an astronomer, like taught astrophysics astronomer and then big her time enemies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a I mean it was sad how he died, but it was almost like comically insane how like yes, <laughs> people just broke it cuz she was like his her mom was a math professor and her dad was in astrophysics like these are not people with enemies. <laughs> these are two nerds. <laughs> who are just like in love and like to look at the stars and then they get like their yeah. house broken into <clears throat> the KGB by some Russian busts down the doors by the KGB busts down their door and they're like where's your money and it's like you're in fucking St. Petersburg and they're professors they don't have any money are you kidding me <laughs> yeah. look at their apartment <laughs> Jesus Christ so yeah so then like the KGB like steals his telescope and and Jarvis is all sad so he's like don't take the telescope and they shoot him in the heart yes For no reason <laughs> so he dies just so that Jupiter's name could be Jupiter that's really it um yeah so So that was sad. Um, But yeah, this is actually one of the few movies I've ever watched in my life that I was like, I wish there was more of this movie. Like, I wish it was longer (laughs) or more of it. I wish it had a sequel or like they could space it out a little more so we could breathe just for a second. Yes, I like to organize things. So just one movie for each of the weird, sexy siblings. I think that would have paced things out. You get one big fight so. scene for each. Um, yeah, yeah, one big, because yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of big space battles, and I, I kind of feel like like Channing Tatum was just space battling the whole time, like he just kept getting oh, yeah. thrown into different space battles. <laughs> like he didn't get a break the whole time. She at least got to wear like pretty clothes. Yeah. She almost got married. She had like yeah. great meals, and and he was just thrown from one space battle like took a bre- breather in jail for about 20 minutes and then thrown into another space battle <laughs> sweet moon shoes um okay so we uh, moon rocket boots <laughs> moon shoeing around um he's also yeah so so mia brought up all of the different kinds of kin <laughs> um he's half dog <laughs> wolf whatever uh, something like they a call dog, him a something like a wolf, some mm-hmm. something like a dog, something like a wolf. Right. So I can't imagine it would be as cut and dry as like they took a husky <laughs> and they spliced it with a human being. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so he uh, he has really attuned pointy ears. He has dog ears <laughs> and the worst facial hair I've ever seen on a man <laughs> ever. Um, they He's glued so somebody's. They glued a bunch of blonde pubic hair onto his face, and I don't know if he can't grow a goatee on his own, but that did not look like that was homegrown. Blonde facial hair is always a gamble (laughs) anyway. Really (laughs) difficult to make it look good. Channing Tatum is... (laughs) It's not it's not the face for it. Um, but I guess they wanted him to make a little more wolf like. So they gave him the worst goatee in the history of facial hair. <laughs> and uh, he he's like he's also like he got like dark past. 
because he yes. he bit somebody, so they kicked him out of the military. Well, he bit them I don't know. ferociously. <laughs> it was a throat. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a love. Like it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a love nipple. Ooh. But like, yeah, he he. Ooh. <laughs> I was gonna say for a place as kinky as that fucking place, really, a little biting's enough to get you kicked out of the military. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I feel like we're banging the lead here. Out and about. <laughs> just oh my god. Okay, the bees. <laughs> I literally said in my intro, in my recap, that Sean Bean, Scene Bean, uh, asks a bunch of bees if Mila Kunis is royalty, and they say yes. That's almost literally what happens. (laughs) Magic Mike the wolf takes Mila Kunis to Scene Bean's house, and all of these bees that he has just fucking everywhere just swarm around her. And she's like, like moving her arms, and they're like going with her, and it's kind of cute. And he's like, he's like, bees can recognize royalty. What? (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) So bees can recognize space royalty. That's that's like the most. You know, proof they have that this is this reoccurrence of genetics has happened. <laughs> All right, accepted. And she's like, "Your Majesty." <laughs> well, the bees, the bees said so. Yeah, like the bees starts rolling so around her, and bees. everybody fucking kneels down and starts calling her <laughs> "Your Majesty." And and Boromir is like, "You've never been stung by a bee, have you?" And then I thought about it, and I don't like to brag, but I've Neither never have been I. stung by a bee, so it's pot. Oh my god, Mia. Space princess. Could it be possible? Um, <laughs> oh, I think it might be. <laughs> so, so by for the last minute and a half to find a pun for bees. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. It's okay. I think we just need to lean in. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but we are, uh, according to Boromir logic, probably space princesses, um, which is great. It's wonderful. That's why we click so well. Um, you know, bees and other royalty can recognize their own, I suppose. Yes. I don't know enough about bees. To, I don't know about bees to challenge that. All right. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> but we're really bearing the lead here because I feel like all we need to talk about still more, more so is Eddie Redmayne. Yes. The real star of the movie. Absolutely the real star of the movie. Um, this man. <laughs> Does he get accreditation for the episode then? I know we've said like, oh, yes, watching this for the hotties. And a hottie, perhaps <laughs> he is with his lips stretching around half of his head. In in a different way. <laughs> um, I... I feel like it would be false advertising for us to like try and lure people. I, well, no, no, you know what? Let's let's be <laughs> business women about this. Let's be business bees about this. Um, and <laughs> I think we should advertise it as a Channing Tatum episode, Anime Lacunas episode, yes. and then lure people in and be like, "You thought we were here to talk about how this hot Channing trap. Tatum and Mila Kunis are." This is the trap. We're actually here to talk about how batshit, balls to the wall, insane <laughs> Eddie Redmayne's performance was in this film. Um, 
I found him attractive the in the sense that I was terrified. I was terrified not to. I felt like he could see through the TV. <laughs> and if I wasn't a little bit hot for him, I would somehow suffer the consequences. That's that's the vibe he was putting out in this. You know, for as much influence saga. as Bill Hader has on this podcast so far, the line will mark me down as scared and horny. Um, I think we really need to find <laughs> an episode to dedicate to Bill Hader. I think so. Um, I, you know, we'll find horny. <laughs> that is really, really the vibe that Eddie Redmayne was going for um, in his sheer insanity. Um, okay, so the yes. first scene that we see with all three of these siblings, though, he's clearly mm-hmm. leading the like. They clearly sat down to talk about their characterizations. Like, okay, so we can talk normally. <laughs> When Balem, that's his character's name, when Balem is not in the room. But as soon as he shows up, it's whispers only. (laughs) They're talking fine. They're like, oh, have you you ever seen a harvest? No, never. But they're like kind of normal. You know, it's like, okay, this is just like brother and sister chatting about whatever. And then fucking shirtless, shirtless, leather clad, (laughs) cape wearing... Eddie Redmayne shows up. Glistening. <laughs> Glistening. From what? We do not know. Um, but yeah, then it's just, it's whispers only from here on out. Whispersonly.com. Um, whispersonly.com for these three siblings. And they, uh, and un- unless Eddie Redmayne is villainously monologuing, which he does quite a bit, uh, then it's, <laughs> Then it's a it's it's anybody's guess as to if it's if he's at a ten or a negative one. Because there were times I was like, I want to turn the volume out because I don't actually like he's actually whispering too slow, like softly. I can't catch everything. Yes. But then I knew at any moment he was just gonna <laughs> like go into off a the fucking chain, just <laughs> just screaming. Like I mean, and he's it's like it's like there's nothing like he's like already angry. He spends the whole time like pretty much just furious. Just bubbling with yes. with repressed and queer rage under the surface, and <laughs> just fucking fuming all the time, and then like it just comes out sometimes where he's like, <laughs> like shrieks at somebody who was just like, I just wanted to make sure I could. Can I? Is this yes? Can like you just need like a yes or a no. Break? Can I get yeah. go? And he just loses his shit. Like his whole face shakes and he's all red. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's so good. He's so fucking good. <laughs> you know what this tells me, unfortunately, though, is that there are no drag queens in space because he would have had just a delightful outlet, Balem. I mean, to I, like RuPaul's drag space. Cons- considering it. he had. He would have fucking killed it. Just just in his like Tuesday clothes. This is not like he wouldn't have been performing. Yes. He would have just like showed up yes. and been like, this is just how I wear. This is laundry day. What are you yeah. talking about? He Play fucking served and- so much. <laughs> he served so many looks in this movie. Holy fucking shit. Yes. I mean, just the cost. Okay, so on a serious note, the costuming was divine. Yes. There were so the many beautiful clothes. Unfucking stoppable. Everybody looked amazing. Even like the functional shit that like the police were wearing. Like everything was just like Space beautiful cops. and tailored and 
space cops, the Aegis. Um, everything just looked so good. It all looked so good. Yes. And and I I you know how sometimes when they're like, hey, when you're, you know, you get to pick out, you know, you're like, we want you to put yourself in this character. So we want you to, you know, pick out like of these options, what do you want to wear? Like sometimes right. they do that with costuming and stuff. I hope they did that with Eddie Redmayne. And he was like, how about no shirts, but just a nope. floor length <laughs> sweeping leather cape? <laughs> They're like, Eddie, we yeah, already we spent we- like $600 in shirts. <laughs> He's like, fine, I'll wear two. I don't but wanna- most of the time, I would. <laughs> I don't want it. Oh, God. It's just, it's just so good. It's so fun. He's so fun. He looked like he was having the time of his life. I'm sure, I'm yes. sure filming The Theory of Everything was probably exhausting. I'm sure it took all that he had to make that movie. Yes. He did a wonderful job. Obviously earned his Oscar completely. I cried like a baby at that movie. <laughs> I hope he did this immediately after. I hope this was the next <laughs> thing on his plate. And he was like, fuck yes, Wachowskis. Give me that script. Let me... Just devour the scenery in every movie, yes. every film, every shot I'm in. I just, just let me think that I'm the star. And they're like, actually, Mila Kunis is the star. I'm like, no, no, no. It is me. <laughs> let me behave I will as play though it is role. me. <clears throat> it will play every role. And I'll do I will it better than brother. she does. I will, yes. <laughs> I will play. I wish, I wish everybody in this movie was played by Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> That's what I wish. It's like those fan casts with the Muppets. And instead of like adding Muppets and keeping one human, everybody is Eddie Redmayne. Everybody is Eddie Redmayne. Except maybe, maybe Boromir. I can see everybody's played by Eddie Redmayne. I was going to say Scene Bean. Scene Bean has to still be Scene Bean. Except Scene Bean. Also, this is one of the rare movies that Scene Bean doesn't die. Isn't that exciting? I know. I think that I was, was waiting it. for him to die. I was like, <laughs> I was like, isn't he gonna die? Isn't I mean, he's in the movie. Put him in a fantasy escape. Put him in a science fiction escape. It doesn't end well for him. Typically, <sighs> it never ends well. It never ends well. He mm-hmm. always dies, and so this was a thrill to see that he made it all the way to the <laughs> end of the movie, very much alive. Oh. Oh, God. Yeah, I keep thinking now that you brought up there's no drag space. It seems like a vast oversight, especially for the Wachowskis who. There's space bureaucracy. Everybody. There are space cops. Space cops, space bureaucracy. There's also like, like massive glass terrariums of orgies. Yes. That was. And. and (laughs) That was a scene. He was like, good news only in this space. I was like, I mean, that's fair. (laughs) I wouldn't want bad news if I was in my orgy bubble. Um, I was like, how? How did we not get? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I was going to say the Wachowskis, who people were genuinely surprised when they all when they both came out as trans, when in The Matrix, the first one. I don't know. Actually, I take it back. Not just the first one. All three movies had a very long, like, leather rave scene. Yes. <laughs> that had no bearing on the plot whatsoever. 
Um, so yes. I was very confused when anybody was like, what? This is so surprising. I'm like, did you, did you not watch The Matrix? If this can, is brand new information. Anyway. <laughs> this is brand new information. The Wachowskis are LGBTQ? <laughs> Fucking yeah, they are. And they always have been. So, um, so yes. yeah. Uh, okay, so before we talk any other specifics, I do need to tell you, I need to share this before we, we share critic reviews. I need to share yes. my favorite I'm not going to read the whole thing. I will link to it in the show notes because I feel like everybody needs to read it. But before we started this recording, I told Mia, I said, listen, I know it's your turn to find reviews this week, but I have to read this one to you because I read it when the movie first came out. And I chose specifically to never read another review of this movie ever again because it said everything that I thought needed to be said. So it's from themarysue.com and it is written by... Sam Mags. Um, yeah, so this came out pretty quickly right after the movie. So it was February 9th, 2015. The title of the review oh is Jupiter Ascending is the Worst Movie Ever. Go see it immediately. <laughs> it says everything you need to know. Um, all right, so let's start with the basics. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's see. Wait, um, that's Jupiter Ascending. Hang on, let me find the actual, where did it say this? Mm. Okay, let's start with the basics. This movie is not The Matrix. This movie is not Dune. This movie is not Star Wars, nor is it The Fifth Element. No, this movie is like if all those movies, plus the music video for Backstreet Boys Larger Than Life, and the really weird parts of the Mass Effect trilogy all got really drunk at a party and had a massive orgy while H.P. Lovecraft filmed it. That's Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> The plot is this. The Wachowskis were given an extraordinary amount of money to make whatever the hell they wanted, and what they wanted to make is exactly what we all, secretly, deep down, want to make. The big screen adaptation of that Stargate fanfic you wrote when you were 14 that went really off the rails and began to inhabit its own universe, complete with original characters, wolfmen, and bees. That's Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, and then speaking, and then we just get to the best part here of, uh, down here a little bit says, Eddie, Eddie Redmayne is her space family and he wants the earth. You may have inferred from the trailers that Eddie Redmayne is this film's antagonist. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne is literally flawless in this film. Eddie, Eddie Redmayne knows yes. Jupiter sending is bad. Eddie Redmayne knows this probably better than anyone else in our solar system. And he does what needs to be done. <laughs> He swooshes around without a shirt, but with a black cape for two hours, speaking only in whispers, except for the very occasional ridiculous outburst. He's so over the top. I am not even sure where the top is anymore, and he should win an Oscar. Oh and my God. yes. Um... <laughs> He's so over the top. Yeah, the top so... was left on the floor of his boyfriend's chambers, bed chambers. <laughs> sometimes boyfriend so yeah there's yes it is basically it is basically my favorite thing that that i think so rarely happens um when you see a director given a shit ton of money and they're like oh no but i i have so much success and money i can kind of make whatever i want all right well i did have this fan fiction i wrote back in seventh grade that i would really like to bring to life and I think that's what the Wachowskis did. Don't we all? 
fucking props to them. Fucking props to them. (laughs) Oh, man. God, I love it so much. Hmm. Um, I know, though, that I am not. uh, Speaking of money, though, how much do you think they actually were given to make this movie? I'm just curious. Okay. I always cheat. I don't know. what. How much can a movie cost? $10. Um, So I looked up. I looked up the budget for uh, Cloud Atlas, and I will be basing my assumptions <laughs> off that. Okay. Um, Cloud At- okay. Atlas budget was estimated at 102 million. Mm-hmm. So I am going to guess 130 million. It was a low ball. It was 176 million dollars they got to make wow. this movie. Wow. I'm going to bet they spent mm, 75% of it on the insane CGIing of the entire world. I would hope that that's where all that money went. You know, it's like the budget of Cloud Atlas versus the gross worldwide of Cloud Atlas. I would not expect an increase in budget to have resulted from that. I know. I know. But they they had I th- I think they were I feel like they were sitting on this one though I feel like after the Matrix they got this greenlit <laughs> and then That's because true. the thing was with Cloud Atlas if we're comparing which we shouldn't because Cloud right. Atlas is flawless in a different oh, yes. way um, uh, Cloud Atlas subnote uh, one of the only movies I ever sobbed so whole body hot like whole body sobs so hard. Mm-hmm. In a movie theater, the Jer, despite us being the only people in the movie theater, Jer was like, do you need to go? Do we need to leave? <laughs> he was like uncomfortable <laughs> with how emotional I got watching no, Cloud Jer, Atlas. maybe you need and to I've go. And I've seen it. <laughs> step out for a minute. <laughs> I, like, I, just need I need to, to be exactly right here. here. I need to be right here with this beautiful movie. <laughs> so fucking sad um i still and i can't this the part that made me sob that hard i still can't watch without just losing control of my entire body is it the guy with three names um, i read the book ages ago the it's what, who's the guy with three names septimus warren's it's, no, it's i don't i'm thinking something else yes yeah no you're no you're you're right yeah it's mm-hmm. the it's the it's when well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the movie because I didn't read the book. But in the movie, it's James Darcy going to find, uh, what's his face? Ben Wishaw. And mm-hmm. uh, Ben Wishaw writing him a letter telling him that he saw him mm-hmm. looking for him. Um, and then all of the horrible things that happen after that. And I just yes, after fucking, yes, and I just... <laughs> can't even deal with it the thing with cloud atlas though is that nobody wanted them to make that movie so the fact that they had 103 million dollars some of that was tom hanks money because he wanted to make that movie of course um and halle berry also kicked in money to make that movie so i think a lot of it was Mm -hmm. they the people involved were super passionate and they read the script and they loved it and they wanted to be part of it and the studio was like you can't turn this fucking book into a movie like it doesn't translate it's postmodern onto the big screen not supposed to be yeah right and the wachowskis were like here's four middle fingers we will do it and we will destroy Mm -hmm. emily jazorski's emotional state when we do (laughs) and they were like well all right fine here's 16 dollars raise the rest of it yourself 
And they did. Um, but so, <laughs> so actually, I know where some of the budget for this movie went because I I know some trivia. Um, there's a scene in the beginning, the big first. Mm-hmm. It's not a space battle. Sorry, it's the big rocket boots chase. Ah, yes. At the beginning, when uh, they're in downtown Chicago and they have like mm-hmm. the little gray aliens are trying to steal her and kill yes. her, and Magic Mike is protecting her with his. And he's like flying them around the top of the city in his rocket boots. And they're in different little space pods, whatever. The thing is, it happens at sunset. Lavender hour, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. There's like a nice little band of pink right along the this horizon. The sky's this beautiful lavender color, hence the name. It's gorgeous. It lasts about four minutes every day. And Lana Wachowski told her crew this was when she wanted to film that's when she wanted to set the space scene or this this chase scene was during lavender hour (laughs) and they were like oh you want us to do like establishing like how much like you want us to start it like that and she was like no i want the whole thing filmed like that Mm -hmm. at that at that stage so they built (laughs) because this is what the wachowskis do they built a like flying camera rig so they could kind of like like just spin around it was like stabilized but they were just like hanging this camera out of this like helicopter type thing to get these shots and they filmed it over like three weeks because they needed the exact kind of light because she she was like no 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 don't cgi the don't cgi the like the backdrop like they were like should we just film a lot of it and then we can green screen it and she was like, no, 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 I want it to be real. I want it to actually happen, like, at this time, like, around these buildings. Like, I want to, that's what I want to do. And they were like, okay, you made the Matrix. <laughs> I guess you know what you're doing. Um, and she got what she wanted. And they, yeah, they figured out how to do it. But, yeah, it took, like, three weeks to film that five-minute scene because she had to have it at that specific time of day. And it looks wonderful. It looks gorgeous. And I don't think it, it would look the same it's, if they CGI'd it on pretty. the green screen. And I, no. I do love that about about Lana Wachowski that she she doesn't she they use a lot of CG, but if she can figure out how to do it in real time, right. she will. No corners are cut cool for the her. sake of artistry. <laughs> Fuck no. Um, yeah. So that's my that's my little bit of of trivia about the budget. Um but I know that I am not. I am not in the majority. I obviously my love for this movie is coming out <laughs> pretty hard. Uh, I know I'm not in the majority though. So. Yes, not a lot of people like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, do you want to hazard a guess about how um, how the critics viewed this movie on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. Percentage well, I'm on the guessing it's not, it's not certified fresh as it is in my mind. No. Um, I'm going to guess from the <laughs> critics especially, uh, 32. <sighs> you are 4% <laughs> over. Or low? <laughs> oh, no. It's 
funny because my first instinct was 27. And I was like, no, that's so low. They would have given it at least a 30. This no. Is, oh, no. <laughs> that's a 28%. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. On the tomato meter. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yep. So let me get that's into a couple sad. of... I was... I'm not interested in reading people shitting all over this movie because we really don't need to do that. Um, but I found no. two reviews, one uh, a, a mere snippet, and the other I actually went and read the review, and I've got two paragraphs that I really enjoyed. Um, so the first is going to be the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, uh, Nikki Vaughn, okay. who said... Don't get me wrong, Jupiter Ascending isn't a masterpiece. Jupiter Ascending isn't a Wachowski reclaiming of the science fiction cinematic crown. Jupiter Ascending is chaotic and messy and campy and nonsensical and weird and sometimes badly acted and sometimes really badly acted. If you can surrender yourself to it, and that's going to be a big if for many of you, Jupiter Ascending is an immensely fun, outrageously over-the-top, action-packed, and at least in my estimation, an intensely personal film for the Wachowskis wrapped up inside their usual sci-fi thrills and moralistic reflections. So, <laughs> I feel like we've captured I the think, spirit. I feel like we've captured the spirit of that. I mean, I don't... It's 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 one of those things that everybody's like, oh, it's definitely not a good movie. And I'm like, I don't know that that's true. I don't... Right. I don't know that it's not a good movie. I don't know that it's like, I think it's pretty actually really cool that it's an entirely self-contained space opera. Trilogy. <laughs> Trilo it's a trilogy in a single movie. Like how often do you get that? They didn't make it, you know, they could have kept going, I suppose. Um, I mean, they could have continued on with her story after. Mm -hmm. With, you know, whatever after uh you know she got back from from space and decided to be a cleaning lady again um right i guess they could have kept going Which with that, that but they didn't that was that was a choice um but they they didn't they decided like nope that's the end and they didn't leave it like a direct hanging off of like oh but we definitely need a sequel for this there's definitely going to be more like i could have watched right. them lying around in their rocket boots for another hour and a half frolicking easily. frolicking yeah. over the over the cityscape um but yeah i i i think that that's cool i think that i think it's a good movie <laughs> i think it's fun <laughs> i don't think it like tried to set up and be like oh we're so fucking serious and we're gonna you know milk this it didn't feel right. let me see it didn't feel like a capitalist cash grab no no. I think is also so, what makes it so special. Yes. What did somebody well, let me else get into say, our second of reviews because just the mm -hmm. vivid imagery of this. Mm. <laughs> um I think we have there are too many types of kin to lightly mention any sort of animal in your review of this movie. Um so you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. <laughs> <laughs> creating wolfkin and owlkin and elephant elephant kin um elephant kin was a surprise for sure yes uh monica castillo from the international business times i'm going to paraphrase a little bit here says that the wachowskis excel at creating fantastic new worlds lurking under the surface of our own but in jupiter ascending they've overstuffed the turkey with too many tangents and false endings overstuffed the turkey <laughs> <laughs> and 
and the poor turkey kin that came to my mind. <laughs> the poor bird people that came to my mind. Monica, I will disagree with you because bird the stuffing person. is my favorite part. <laughs> bird person. Okay. The stuffing is my favorite part. So you can't overstuff a turkey as far as I'm concerned because that's just more for me to eat. Um, no, I... I <laughs> I think the amount of <laughs> I think the amount of um of people people I say people of different creatures though of different inhabitants of this world that they created is so insane they could have picked like 3 <laughs> they could have been like yes. there's three main races or whatever right and they decided to go so fucking hard <laughs> on all of the uh of on all of the shit like yeah so there was an elephant person there are these like reptile like scary lizard they're lizard bodyguard rats. types lizard they're rat lizard rats is what they are yep did not Holy catch as much shit. of the rat okay. but <laughs> that i think of the tails they have the swishy tails now that i'm thinking yeah. about it they have like swishy Tales that they like used to kill Wormy. people, but they also that would like kind of yeah. yeah, that was kind of lizardy to me too. I thought maybe anyway, um, but they ha- yeah, so they had those crazy ones who wore like these huge leather coats with sunglasses and stuff. They just looked like bodyguards, <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then like just randomly walking past, there's like a dude with the face of an owl and like a cat person, and then they have yep. like somebody who's like kind of hobbity the and they have like giant and- ears, yep, but like a normal everything else. I think we watched a little bit of Star Trek before starting this. Uh-huh. We watched a little bit of Star Trek and took some of the species inspiration from there. We watched specifically Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and Natalie Portman's glittery dress that she wore. We watched mm-hmm. that and took that mm-hmm. for costuming. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't speak to the Wachowskis' involvement in the furry community, but... With how many tech we people must have been in in on this movie, I think that mm-hmm. could have played a distinct influence. There was some say so there there was some institutional knowledge there that uh, that was coming across. <laughs> there was just so it, it was it was just one of those things that it was like they could have reined it in, and it, maybe it would have been yes. a little less absurd. But it also yes. is one of the most like richly populated sci fi movies. I just think about like right. when Guardians of the Galaxy came out and everybody was like so it was like a breath of fresh air because it wasn't dark space future right. sci-fi shit anymore. Yeah. This I feel is on the same level as like oh this is just fun. There like were this is a, a fun space movie. drawn in uh yeah. in the tomato meter reviews so Cause yeah, cause it's 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 yeah, it's one of those things where yes, they could have like I said, they re- could have reined it in. It would have maybe been a little more streamlined, but mm-hmm. they did. They didn't have to have every single extra in the background be a different species. Yes. But because they did, <laughs> it was such a beautifully insane tapestry that I just it's yes. it's I just adored it. I was like, this is. I had so much fun watching this movie last night. Oh man. <laughs> Entirely um, absurd. It is it is beautifully absurd and something that is 
lacking, I think. And and I also feel like it didn't take itself seriously at all. Like it could have. No. But I also right. feel like everybody in that movie was just having a really good time. <laughs> I know. We have been kind of thinking about I'm reading um one of the John Waters memoirs and I've been talking to mm-hmm. people about like campiness and what constitutes campiness and how people see their work as taking it seriously or having fun with it. And Mm -hmm. something that always comes back to me is like Rocky horror. You can't really talk about camp without talking about Rocky horror. Yes. And Mm -hmm. whether or not that (laughs) decided what it was going to be pre-production or the moment that Tim Curry stepped onto set, Whether Tim Curry steered that ship or whatever, it was already going in that direction. It doesn't matter because that's yes. that's where we ended up for sure. Yes. Um, he, <laughs> the thing is like, okay, so within all of this nonsense that we've described, there is also a pretty solid anti-factory farming message. And yes. al- it's a factory farming allegory that they use with this whole skincare thing. Also, yes. very strong anti-capitalism propaganda. <laughs> yes. Like, there's a whole, I mean, and it is delivered by Eddie Redmayne, so some of it gets lost in his glistening lips and his absurdity. Right. <laughs> but he does deliver a monologue about how his mother taught him that every, that there, you know, that every human, like, every interaction is a pyramid and that some human lives are worth more right. than others and that life is, you know, life is consumption. And, you know, something like all human life boils down to capital. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck. If you, if you weren't wearing a 14 foot long. <laughs> yeah. Like if you weren't wearing a 14 foot long leather cape right now, like that would have hit really hard. Um, yes. <laughs> but. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing is that in the midst of all of this craziness, there's also this very, like, she finds out that this, this family that she's now part of this legacy that she has, that she's connected to genetically is obscenely rich because they, like I said, they harvest these planets. And when they talk about harvest at the beginning, the sister says, oh no, I've never seen it myself, but I'm told they feel no pain. It's all quite, it's all quite humane. And, uh, and so, you know, having that kind of set at the backdrop and then you find out later that when they're talking about harvest, they mean they just kill every human or living thing on the planet and boil it down into this, Mm -hmm. yeah, into this stuff, (laughs) this goop (laughs) that keeps that like these, (laughs) I wouldn't put it, (laughs) Gwyneth, I wouldn't put it past you, you fucking lunatic. <laughs> you non-human fembot. I would not put it past Gwyneth Paltrow to like be look, watching Jupiter setting and be like, but could we maybe do something like that? I mean, you know, poor it's people and organic. fat people aren't actually humans. Maybe we could maybe we could just end their suffering and make an organic skin cream that keeps us all looking thin and beautiful forever. All of us, I mean, we're getting all of dangerously into Q1. <laughs> I know it's one of those things I'm like I I could see it but I don't want to say that I could see it because that'll lump me into 
<laughs> That'll put this podcast in an entirely different category on Apple Podcasts, and we don't want that. No, I'm sure – oh, my God. I'm sure Gwyneth Paltrow is not boiling poor and fat people alive to make her skin cream. I'm sure that's not what's happening. I'm just saying if somebody was going to do it, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Gwyneth. <laughs> I don't think she's a human being. Anyway um, – <laughs> But so there's there's a whole factory farming message. There's a whole anti-capitalist message. There's there's, you know, just a lot of, you know, how much is a human life worth kind of a thing that goes on. And all of this behind against this backdrop of just batshit craziness, (laughs) beautiful (laughs) absurdity. And I think that's one of the things I love so much about this movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I had only one best worst line. I thought everything else was flawless. What did you have? I've <laughs> did got you have two. Any? I've got two. I'm curious okay. if there. I'm always curious if there are going to be alignments, but I feel like we surprise each other pleasantly. So we surprise each other. I don't know. I kind of feel like this one stands stands out. But my only best worst line was, "I love dogs. I've always loved dogs." <laughs> <laughs> Because it's such a it's such a stupid line in the middle of that scene yes. where he's trying to tell her that he's that they're not like compatible because he's more like a dog than he is a human. He's closer right. to a dog than he is a human being. And she's like, I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. <laughs> anyway, don't reach. Don't don't reach here. <laughs> don't um, so most of these are for delivery and I do have to throw a shout out to um, an actor once I get to the second one. But of course, my mother never cleaned a toilet in her life. (laughs) Being the first. I do love Mila's response to that though. (laughs) Maybe that's her problem. Maybe that's her problem. I love the response to that. But I hate that line. Perfect. You're right. It's not a good one. <laughs> um, followed by, and this, I have the IMDb, like, if I were to be Wolfkin as Channing, I would not be able to sniff out royalty, but I would be able to sniff out people that I've seen in other movies and TV shows before. Um, do you recognize Scene Bean's daughter from anywhere in this movie? No. No. But I have somebody for you to recognize too. But, but go on. Okay. Um, Who is she? So, I cannot remember the actress's name, but the daughter from Broadchurch. I don't know if you ever watched Broadchurch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that her? So that was her. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. The one who's dating the boy. She who's had, like, a little bit too old for her. In the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she yeah, has that banger of a line, don't drag me into your male mating rituals. <laughs> well, she's watching her father and I assume her ex-boyfriend. They didn't really get into that. I felt like there was ooh, some ooh, yeah. something there uh, and then that's her that. response. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know what Channing Tatum's relationship to her was, but it seemed complicated. <laughs> by scene bean um yeah <laughs> there is a lot happening there that uh that they didn't 
we could have gotten more. Had we hit, if we had more time, maybe we could have had <laughs> yes more backstory some flashbacks, about what happened with some Scene Bean, Skyjack and flashbacks, Scene Bean and Channing, <laughs> Skyjack and flashbacks, um, Scene Bean and yes, and uh, and Channing Tatum in their military days. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I don't yeah. know what they did. Um, They'd be the Navy. They what, again, would be what like the, the Navy SEALs, except then everybody would have to be SEALs. And <laughs> there, there would be SEALs also. Wolfkin. So. <laughs> God, there was already so much fucking kin in this movie. There were so many goddamn animals. <laughs> um, we don't have time for SEALs, too, okay? We just can't. Right? We had to, we had to draw the line somewhere, Mia. Okay? Yes. <laughs> we blew half the budget on the bees. All right, we don't have time. We're adding any aquatic mammals. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> That'd be great if the actual budget breakdown was like $50 million in bees. Um, because <laughs> as, as a space princess recognized by bees, though, I don't feel that that's an inordinate amount of money to spend on our kin. <laughs> since yes. we found that out about ourselves this week. Um, do you? But did you recognize... Uh, Mila's cousin who Jupiter's cousin who like was the head of the family who was always sitting at the head of the table did you the recognize dude him? dude or the twinkie boy toy the big the dude, dude or the twinkie not boy the toy? younger one who oh, the big dude the like the dad basically not. of the family no do you know who he is he's Higgins from Ted Lasso <laughs> Jeremy Swift, I believe, is the actor's name. I know. It was like he's there was like something he did with his face, and I was like, "Is that Higgins? It is Leslie Higgins." Oh, so happy to see that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So (laughs) that was exciting. That was exciting to find. He Um, has the most. Oh, and he's also, I believe. Okay, is he also the? Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find. This is it such good. He also right has now. one of those faces. <laughs> I know all this beautiful dead air. Um, beautiful yes, dead air. He <laughs> is. <laughs> he's Maggie Smith's butler in Downton Abbey. Oh my! What a career! What an absolute <laughs> career this man has had. That's fun. That's delightful. Oh, God. All I right. hope he's happy. Um, I hope he leads a great life. I hope he does, too. I hope he currently is and continues to. Um, but, yeah, that was – I was like, there's something about those eyes that I recognize. And I had to look – I had to IMDb it <laughs> mid-scene. Mid yep, that's Leslie Higgins, the female junior. Exactly one dollar spent on dialect coaching, fifty <laughs> billion dollars spent on bees. <laughs> yes, I think that the dialect, the one dollar dialect coach, was a bargain thrown in with the bees, um, because yes. yeah, nobody had <laughs> it was a bee. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> dialect coaching by the bees. <laughs> But I mean, all that aside, I think it was interesting, though, that um, that once they got to space, there were no dialects. That was the other thing. There were so many different kinds of 
things, creatures, living it's Doctor beings. Doctor Who rules. Everything's <laughs> British. You know what? Fair. That's fine. Everything's everything's already <laughs> translated. So that's that's fine. It's it's Tolkienism. It's just it's all we're already translated, and it doesn't need to. We don't need to worry about it. I mean, I don't know why I said that. They didn't have any money left after they blew it all on bees and CGI. They did not have any money to be like, and we're gonna make up a language for all of these different fucking things that we created. Right. No, if you have the face of an owl. And the body of a rat or whatever the fuck. Sorry. You also just speak English. You just speak <laughs> West Coast English like everybody else. Shut up about it. Oh, Jesus. Um, did you want to nominate for any Oscars? There's only one Oscar that counts. <laughs> Academy Award for Best Actor. <laughs> Goes, of course, to Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Of course, Daddy Redmayne. Obviously, I said the same thing. I could make up a bunch of things, but I genuinely believe he deserves to win Best Oscar for Best Actor for this. I'm sorry. I think this movie should have fucking swept. I hate that it didn't. Uh, oh, God. Costume department probably also needs a nod. Makeup department would get a yes. nod if not for the horrible facial hair. Yeah, we sorry. Yes, gluing the pubes was not a good choice. Docked points it there. Cost you, <laughs> docked points, it cost you the statue. However, I feel the special effects deserved it. Not the sound mixing, yes. because that was Eddie Redmayne's fault, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> costuming, <laughs> lighting, cinematography, all of it should have won. It should have swept. Should have fucking swept. Yes. They were robbed. They were robbed by politics. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. Yes. Somebody, yeah. Somebody ever asks me, like, what's an unpopular opinion you have? I'm like, I believe that Jupiter's setting should be taken seriously <laughs> as a cinematic tour de force that it is. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that is a deeply unpopular opinion in, in cinemaphile <laughs> circles, but I don't care. <laughs> Come at me. I don't care at all. Come at me. I have fucking receipts to tell you why I think it should be taken seriously. Oh, God. All right. Well, you know my grade. A plus, 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 plus. What would you give this? What would you give this, Dr. Mia, if you were grading this movie? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say a B. Just a solid all right. B. <laughs> Is that because... You have been influenced politically now by the bees that determined that we were royalty this week. I can neither confirm it's okay nor you, deny. <laughs> it's okay if they're holding stingers to your head right now, telling you that it has to be a bee. But also we need to rate this podcast for bee puns. <laughs> this needs to have warnings on it. If you don't like stupid bee puns. Maybe don't pay attention to this one. <laughs> They're not even good. They're not even. They're not good. We hard. need to work on it's that. Not. We really. We're, we're just saying that we're just. If this was something I had a little bit of emphasis. Time, I'm just saying the word B. <laughs> we're just putting a little bit more emphasis every time we say the word B. It's not even that big of a deal, but it could be. We could we could work a bit into this. We're only five episodes in. <laughs> I am a little buzzed on this idea, I gotta be honest. Um. <laughs> it's just a little more effort. Yep. Oh, you little worker bee. <laughs> All right, we'll put our hive mind to the test and uh, 
We'll see what we can come up with. You guys may be witnessing the birth of a dynasty in which we just turn into this, turn this into a, a bee pun heavy movie podcast. This may be a thing. I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, all right. Okay. I promise no more, oh, no more bee puns for the rest of the episode. I know you love oh, puns and you love, and you love puns and I love stupid jokes. So I really feel like we're opening a. I almost said can of worms, but no, can of bees. Can of <laughs> we're kicking bees. a beehive here. <laughs> okay. A can of uh, bees. Before, before, no, I, I have to tell the story now. Um, before we get any farther, um, I had a friend in high school who told me about a time that he found a bee on the playground as a kindergartner. And anytime mm-hmm. that he was like, I, I gotta save this in my pocket. Because if somebody tries to step at me, he's a skinny little kid. If anybody tries to step okay. at me, I'm just going to pull it out of my pocket. Fistful of bees. Leo, this one's that's for you. solid logic. <laughs> that's solid logic. I mean... I think that's brilliant. I wish I wish we could like summon summon a swarm anytime somebody tries to start shit. Just full of bees. Yes. Obviously. God, that should always that should always be an option when you're like doing first person shooter it's games his or whatever. Version like, of, like, I don't need a gun. <laughs> exactly. Pocket bees. <laughs> sand oh fuck me oh god all right well i think i don't think i've nearly said enough about this movie but i feel like i've said it up for one for one episode we'll just close the notebook keep my we'll have some skyjack facts in the future i'm sure i'm i'm sure if we have any other channing tatum films on this list i don't know that we do um we'll find some we will harken back (laughs) we'll find some and we'll harken back i gotta say i um and this is not an invitation i was watching i jer was what jer put on the happening the other day just for like to have background noise okay and i sat down and i watched it and all i could think was all i could think was i am so glad that neither mia or i are mark Wahlberg fans because we would have to watch this And it's one of the worst Dribble. movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It is such a bad, objectively bad movie. Like, ugh. Yes. I get ill thinking about the happening. I also get ill thinking about the fact that I saw it in theaters, not the cheapies, regular run when it came mm. out. And, oh. Uh, Wait. But yeah, so that was my best. thought the other day was... I'm gonna go ahead and quiz you on this. The best worst line from that one. Oh, oh God! I don't even know. There's so many. I don't know it well enough to, to remember. Please, the single please best what worst is it? line. <laughs> Hello, please, my is name it? is Elliot Moore. I'm just going to talk in a very positive manner, giving off good vibes. We're just here to use the bathroom, and we're just going to leave. I hope that's okay. Plastic. I'm talking to a plastic plant. I'm still doing it. Still t- I'm still doing it. I do remember that scene. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. Oh, God. So, yeah. So, I'm just really glad. Uh, if you guys are worried that either of us went through a Mark Wahlberg phase and we're going to make you watch that. No. To, 
follow along. You're all lucky I'm no, not my that father. Is our solemn. <laughs> this is this is a solemn vow that we make to you. No Mark Wahlberg on this podcast. Was your dad a Marky Mark fan? Oh yeah. Was he? <laughs> he was big. T- the reason we watched Pain and Gain was for Marky Mark, not oh, Anthony Mackie. Jesus Mackie's, Christ. Regrettably. Oh God. Wait. We is that on here? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Well. I'm not saying Marky we're Mark never going to make you watch a Mark Wahlberg movie. We're never going to tell you that we watched a movie for Mark Wahlberg and we're never going to make you watch The Happening. There. That's our promise. <laughs> I think I have he to close pop up from time best. to time. <laughs> he will. Uh, because I have to close with the best worst line from The Happening. Not from this movie <laughs> that just popped up when I looked up the best worst line from uh, The Happening. Mm-hmm. You're not interested in what happened to the bees? Oh, no. That will be our closer. (laughs) That will be our closer. (laughs) Keep it in mind. Because we are not quite done yet. I have to... It's all about the bees. Um, It's all bees. It's bees all the way down. And I need to pick... I need to tell you what we're suffering through next time. Oh yes, <laughs> our uh, it's our next film. Um, currently, I would say it's currently topical, and I do I am picking it specifically because I don't want to have to rent it later. I'm just going to be real with you. Oh, it's on streaming right now, and I don't I don't want to have I to. I knew it. To rent I it later. knew it. I know exactly what you're <laughs> talking about because this was the other one I was going to suggest last week. <laughs> She did highlight it, friends, as I was looking in the thing. <laughs> Our next. <laughs> because we have a hive mind. This guy's you're watching it in action. This is the hive mind. Uh, our next film that we are watching for, I'm just going to say for, for Florence and Chris Pine, um, not for Harry Styles, is uh, Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> and we'll talk about. All of the craziness surrounding that <laughs> what appears to be entirely mediocre offering from Olivia Wilde. So can't wait. <laughs> Super stoked. We'll see if this passes the B test, if there are any bees in that movie. <laughs> That's a new category, though. We do need to judge it based on whether or not there are bees. Enough bees? And how the bees perform. No. Enough bees? Too many bees? Not enough bees. Is this a bee movie? <laughs> this is turning into a B podcast for the sure. The B movie. <laughs> Do we have to add the B movie to the list? <laughs> I can't imagine watching a movie for Jerry Seinfeld, but if we did, it would be the B movie. <laughs> so, I think I think we've done enough damage, guys. I think this is I think this episode this is, is sufficiently enough. absurd enough to merit to merit having been about jupiter ascending kind of mostly about bees oh but we have been your space princess hosts emily and mia wishing you all a wonderful week for two and before we go mia what was it you wanted to leave us with you're not interested in what happened to the bees 
You're not interested in what happened to the bees, guys? Come on. All right. Bye.